1: i'm the I'm the
0: one. Today I'm sitting down with probably one of the most infamous American greed stories. Matthew Cox, FBI's most wanted con artist, reveals loopholes in the system. Brace yourself. Matthew Cox, Matthew, thanks for coming out. Sure. No problem. So this is uh, you got a you got a crazy story here, man. what's What's the story with you learning how to go up against the banks and, uh, you know, make eleven and a half million dollars in two years and some say forty million, some say other numbers. So, how did you even get into this business?
1: Um, see, how did I get in the business? I was, I graduated USF with a degree in fine arts, which is essentially, you know, I don't wanna say useless, but I couldn't make any real money uh, doing that. I have a learning disability. I, I, tried, I actually tried my hand at uh, being an insurance adjuster, got my 220 uh, property casualty, licensed in Florida, uh, became an insurance adjuster, was laid off twice. Uh, that industry was not working for me. I had a girlfriend that had gotten a job working for a subprime lender, mm-hmm. and she said, you're, you're made for this, you've gotta do this. You absolutely would be phenomenal at this. And uh, the nice thing was all the paperwork was done by the processor. So all I really had to do was get clients, bring them in, structure the deal, and most of the paperwork was processed by the uh, processor, so it worked really well. Like the first month, I think I, I closed like I closed like like a couple of loans. Next month was like four loans, then it was six, then it was eight, then it was ten. Then they made me a branch manager. Uh, Eventually, within a year or so, I opened my own mortgage company. So
0: you left them, and you I saw left you. them. Who were you with at first? Uh, it was Eagle Lending. It was uh, Eagle Lending. Yeah, well, yeah. they went under. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of them did. Yeah, but yeah, Some of them you remember, like you know, there was big names that you would remember. Yeah. So Eagle Lending, this is in Florida. Well, this was in yes, this was in Florida, Got but it. they were in several several states. Got yes. it. Okay. And so a, a year later, you decide to start your own deal. Right. And what happens next? Um, I hired a bunch of brokers. I had probably.
1: A dozen guys working there. And the problem was that at Eagle, essentially, sorry, essentially at Eagle Lending, really the first loan I ever did, everything looked great except for one piece of paper, which was a verification of of rent. My client or my my borrower had a 30 day late. My manager told me, get rid of the 30 day late, you got a loan, you'll make 3,500 bucks. If you send this to underwriting the way it is, you're done. Mm-hmm. So she actually pulled out a bottle of white out and gave it to me, said white it out, make a copy. So I made a copy, I'd mean, I was t- I'd never done anything wrong before, made a copy, sent it in, sweated bullets for four or five days, went through underwriting, everything's great, loan closed, I got a check for 3,500 bucks, You know, it emboldened me and the next guy, if he had made $55,000, he's gonna get a loan, but he made 45. So if that four became a five, We've got a loan. Well, I changed the W two. You Wait. still did that over there, or you started doing it? Well, I started doing it at Le- at Eagle. Oh, at Eagle. you At doing Eagle. This. But then, okay. when I started my own place, it just it just ramped up, and before you know it, all the guys working for me are doing fraudulent loans, and we just became a you know a mill. I'm not saying
0: all the loans were fraudulent, but a good portion of the loans were fraudulent loans. When you were doing it at your place, and can we I ask a- you a question about Eagle? Sure. When you were there, let me ask you this because sometimes. Uh, in the world I was in LA and right. when I was in LA I mean countrywide new century you remember you remember these guys yeah, yeah. guys are making full five hundred six hundred thousand dollars per month is what they're making and it's no income no assets creative financing you know don't worry about it everyone's got a 720 740 all this other stuff some of the guys that did it right came from a place that taught the right habits some of the guys that picked up the bad habits came from a place that was very normal to have the bad habits would you say you picked up some of those bad habits from being at eagle or even prior to that you kind of figured out some creative ways to make money even as a kid in high school or coming out of high school yeah i know i i I really didn't it was it was
1: definitely at at eagle and it started with the uh with my the, the manager of the store and she was she was making money she was closing loans i was desperate to make money, I was desperate not to end up living in my parents' spare room uh, and and I just slowly it just it just started creeping up on me mm-hmm. before you knew it it was just all consuming i mean i, I you know and and look I enjoyed it the, the fact of the matter is is that you know getting over on somebody on the on the banking industry on an underwriter and kind of faking them out or something it, 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 there 's a certain um, I guess, perverse pleasure in that. You know, you start, you feel good, you feel smart, you feel sharp, like, wow, I you know, really did something. The loan closes, you make a chunk of money, and it just, it just, ex- it just got bigger and bigger, expanded mm. from there. And of course, my brokers are all doing it now, and, and there's so many people in the industry. Subprime was so corrupt at the time. Even when we got caught, and we got caught all the time, I got caught with a couple million dollars from a bank one time. Talked to the guy. Um, it was um, Pinnacle Bank Corp out of Chicago. Talked to the owner. He called me up. He's like, Look, we've got, clearly, this is fraud. We pulled all these files. We got a couple million dollars. We, they'd already sold a million to Household Bank. And I'm sitting there saying, Look, if, if you're trying to tell me that you want me to buy back two million dollars, that's not going to happen. So we need to come up with another solution here. And he goes, Okay, well, nobody wants, look, he goes, Nobody wants the FBI digging through their files. He goes, So if we're going to go ahead and sell this million to Household in a, in a, in a sale next week, so if any of them come back on us, just promise you'll help us get rid of them. And I was like, of course. The likelihood that they were gonna catch that fraud two months or three months later was it was very unlikely. So of course that sold And And I mean, I got caught multiple times. It, it eventually, um, you know, eventually a broker that had worked for me got caught and committing fraud and she wore a wire, she and her husband wore a wire on me because they knew I had been doing fraud and they got me to admit things on, you know, on tape. And so the FBI came in They they said, look, we're going to indict you. And so they indicted me. Well, they actually I waived the indictment, it doesn't matter. You know, Essentially they, they said, you plead guilty to this fraud and you lose your mortgage company. And so I said, okay, I mean by that point I think when the FBI came in, which was at a later time, they said that the mortgage company they they estimated it had done like forty million in bad loans over the course of like two or three years. Uh, but that, was, that doesn't mean that that's loss. It just means that you got a two hundred thousand dollar loan that you shouldn't have gotten, mm-hmm. and they're saying that's a bad loan. That's two that's two hundred thousand dollars in bad loans. Well, you made the payments, or maybe you didn't. I don't know. But it's about they estimated around forty million. So at that point, at that point, I, uh, you know, I should have claimed bankruptcy. Should have moved in with mom and dad, but I've got, I've got bills. I don't want to take a step back, so I decided to go ahead and, and escalate the fraud, and I decided to start flipping houses in an area of of Tampa known as Ebor uh, City, Tampa Heights area. I don't know if you're familiar with it's it. It's a nice area. Yes. At the time, it was rough. It was rough. I mean, the median house, the median house in that area was probably worth fifty to sixty thousand dollars. Got it. So I go in and I start buying up houses. The problem with buying those houses is that the people that live in those areas, don't, they don't have good credit. They don't have their down payments. You know, they quit their job a week before the loan closes. And so you're, you're struggling against your buyers. So what I decided was that if I could get around the buyer somehow to borrow the money against the houses, which, which meant I had to start creating the buyers so i started creating my own buyers mm. and uh, creating synthetic identities and i figured out how to get social security to issue social security numbers to people that didn't exist and uh that's and they, pretty creative right there yeah it was it was it was you know i want to say it was difficult but it was it was really a lot of phone calls and then it was just coming up with the documents and it wasn't It was complicated, but it wasn't, once I got the system down, it wasn't that hard. Social Security will issue a Social Security number to a child under the age of 12, 12 months old, without the child being present. So all you have to do as the parent is show up with the birth certificate and the shot record. And you say, my child was born, I never got a Social Security number issued, and they'll issue a, a Social Security number to a child who's 10 months old without seeing the child. And of course, I would go in using a fake ID. And they would check the computer and they'd go, you're right, this child exists, but we don't have a social security number for him. We will issue the social security number and they mail it to you. So then I would go with that social security number, I would then order three secured credit cards, make the payments for six months, and suddenly I have 600 and 690 credit scores, You know, 650, 710 credit scores. So I've got this perfect synthetic individual that can now buy my houses for 40 grand. So I'm buying a house for 40 grand, the problem is, I would clean it up a little bit, and even if I sold it at top dollar for 60 or 70, I'm making 30 grand, 25 grand, that's not worth it. So the, the issue is you need to borrow more, I needed to borrow more money mm-hmm. in this synthetic individual name. So I need to get the houses to appraise higher. So I was dating a girl at, the title, at a title company and she explained to me how, how sales were recorded. And of course, do you know anything about appraisals? You probably know. Which some- part?
0: Well, uh, like to appraise a house. Yeah, of for, course, I know what a, yeah, sure. Right,
1: you need an appraisal. Well, yes. the way they gauge the value of the home is they look and they find three other comparable sales in the area mm-hmm. within one mile mm-hmm. with, that have sold within one year. And so what I did was I said, okay, well, if I'm trying to sell this house for $150,000, I can't get an appraisal unless I can find comparable sales. And she explained that, look, if you pay the extra doc stamps on the on the sale, those recordings will not go for, they won't record at 50. they will record at 150 or 200. If you pay an extra $700, it, pu- it adds 100,000 to it. So now I'm buying houses for 50, and I'm recording the value at 150, or 200. And I'm doing it all over the place in the name of synthetic and indi- individuals don't exist. And this was the dumbest part, is that I'm naming these guys James Red, Brandon Green, Michael White, Lee Black.
0: Reservoir dogs.
1: Yeah, reservoir dogs, just, I mean, and I thought I was so clever. I I really did. (laughs) You know, you always think you're clever until the judge is looking at you going, you know, what what are you doing? You just suddenly you realize, okay, that was a jackass move, my bad. But, so I've got all these houses and each guy's buying, he's buying five houses. We're recording the values for 150 to 200,000. The appraisers, the banks are, I'm ordering an, an appraisal from a bank. Countrywide's coming in and saying, their, their own appraiser's coming out and they're, they're looking at it and they're going, yeah, it's worth 200,000. There's a comp two blocks away here, three blocks over here. They don't realize I own all those comps in various names. I'm creating
0: the market. Can I go back on the title when you said you pay $700 a little bit more, the comps are gonna favor you? Who, who helps uh, uh, benefit the comps for you? Is there somebody that puts bigger numbers? Who, who is that person? Well, what happens is if I buy your house for 50,000. Okay. okay
1: and I close, obviously, a title company that I know okay. the person. And then I either would say, I want a, ta- I want a construction credit for $100,000 added to this $50,000 sale. So now they're, they would say, well, that would make the sale $150,000. Matt, it's going to cost you an extra $700 in, in taxes. And I would say, that's fine. I'll pay the extra $700. Because
0: it's 0.007 for every $100,000, $700. Bucks. So, OK, so it's nothing that the title rep is doing that's uh, fraudulent. No. you just saying it's going to cost another $100,000 on construction loan. 0.7% 700 bucks. It's a 150,000 dollar house, not a 50,000 right. dollar house. Or even if I bought it from you for 50
1: and I explain to the title company, let me record it. I'll bring it down there and record it. And they go, if they know me they're like, "Okay, well why?" Well, I want to get a copy of the recorded deed. "Oh, okay, no problem, Matt." I go down, I fill out the paper, I change the paperwork right then. I just add a check for $700. I record and it I go to the clerk. Here you go. They go, "Okay, 150." Or, "Oh, okay, it's 200. You added an extra" -hmm. jumps up almost 100, instead of 100,000, it's 140,000 plus the 50, now it's 190. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing that, and so the whole market shoots up through the roof. It goes from like the median price of 60,000 to like 190 to 200. I think by the time I was done, they said it was at 250. So, but all these guys are buying five houses. So uh, James Redd owns five houses worth 200,000 a piece that he bought for, he's got 200,000 in. I'm borrowing a million dollars on these houses. So, I'm borrowing a million dollars on houses that I've got maybe 250 and another $100,000 to clean up a little bit. I'm making six or $700,000 for each one of these guys. And there's several people involved.
0: So this is what, this is what we were doing. This, there's several people, now you're the lead guy, but there's several right. other people involved. Correct. I got it. Now, let me ask you, if, if you don't mind, let's go back to when you started your own uh, mortgage company until you had that issue. When you started your mortgage company, what were some of the forms of creative financing that you guys were doing? Because I've, I've heard many different forms. What were some of the ones you guys did? You know, the thing is, a lot of people talk about the, the liar
1: loans, yeah. which you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with the liar loans is that, you know, the, the, typically the person still has to have decent credit. You come on so, no income, no assets. Right, You yes. still need to have a
0: 720
1: or 680. Right, so if I've got some guy that works at Tire Kingdom who's got a 590, he's not getting a liar loan. But what I can do is I can get him a subprime loan if I can prove his income. So we would change his W-2s and pay stubs to say he made enough money and we would fake his down payment. So I created banks online, I created banks, I would make a website that said Bank of Ebor, And you could go to the website and looked at it, it looked like a legitimate small bank and I had bank statements and so if the underwriter asked for the bank statements, because you need to prove you've had the, your down payment in the bank for 90 days, so this guy who works for Tire Kingdom, who has bad credit and has been at three different jobs in the last two years, we would either fix his credit, or I'm sorry, fix his W-2s so that he made enough money, or we would say he worked at a place where he didn't work but we said he worked there for five years and some friend of mine owned the business and would say that and I'd come up with the W-2s mm-hmm. and pay stubs. Got it. They would verify his employment. Then his, we would verify his, his down payment was in Bank of Ebor. Well, there is no Bank of Ebor. So if they said, well, we want bank statements. Okay, we'd send them, I had original bank statements. I'd color bank statements, they look perfect. We send them to the underwriting. If underwriting called to verify it, Someone would open, the, would answer the phone. You know, Bank of Ebor. How may I help you? Sure, hold on. Let me get you, you Jennifer. Be kidding me. Yeah,
0: we'd get on the. Oh, and the okay, person let me pull Bank of ebors internally working for you. No, no, there is no Bank of Ebor. No, no, I totally get it. But right. the person that would answer, "This is Bank of Ebor," they're in your office. Yes. They would answer Bank. of That's what I'm saying. Yes. Okay. And back, you know, they're typing as if they're checking to see if this guy's a real guy. Right. Okay. You
1: know, they fax <clears throat> over
0: a verification
1: of deposit if they have to. I mean, it it, it seemed very legitimate. To Countrywide, who would then lend a hundred. $90,000 on a house that was worth 40 and we maybe put 10 into it. So, you know, you end up making a hundred to $150,000 for each loan. And this guy's borrowing a million dollars like this. So we're making a
0: chunk of money. So so the other part, you said the, the, the what do you call it? The whiteout, you know, the whole whiteout thing, which right. was very big. I mean, that's what what you did with uh, uh, Eagle, right? W- the, where right. Learned the one time. Don't worry about it. Just do a whiteout and change it. it, there, it there was forgery, that, which you wide out, put the signature in, there was what you just did right now, what you talked about. There was many different creative methods to getting financing done. What were some other methods that you, you know, maybe you guys did or heard about that was very unique that you don't quite often hear out there in the mortgage industry?
1: You know, the stuff that I did is so, it's just so it's so over the top, you can't, it's like, one of the things I did was, uh, to get obtain financing was, I would satisfy the loans on, my, on houses. So I buy a house for worth $200,000. It's got a $190,000 mortgage. I'd create a false satisfaction of, a false satisfaction. And you you know, when you you borrow money from Bank of America and you get a mortgage on your house, and it gets paid off, you paid it off. How does public records know it was paid off? Bank of America sends a satisfaction of mortgage, saying, hey, you know, Patrick borrowed $200,000, but he paid it off. Here's the satisfaction proving he paid it off, and then they record that, and now it no longer exists. It's there, but anybody who searches the title can see that that mortgage has been satisfied. Does the, the question is when that document arrives? Does anybody ever call at public records? Does anyone at public records call Bank of America to verify that they mailed in that document? And the answer is no. Till today. Till today, as far as I know. I mean, I've talked to a couple title guys. It was a couple of years ago. I talked to a guy that. In prison, that worked at a title company he said, "Oh, absolutely not. Nobody's nobody's verifying those because it's a recording system." So, what I would do is I would borrow money, two hundred thousand dollars on a piece of property. Then I would create that a satisfaction of mortgage from the lender, let's say Mortgage Warehouse, for instance. So I create a satisfaction of mortgage from Mortgage Warehouse, and I've done them from everybody: Bank of America, Wachovia, Countrywide, um, Sun Trust, uh, uh, tons of them. So. You, I would then go downtown, I'd say, hey man, listen, they mailed me this, but I called them and asked them what it was, they said they were supposed to mail it to you, and public records would say, oh, you're right, this happens sometimes, and they would go ahead and record it, and so the document gets mailed back to the person that created it. Well, of course, that's countrywide, but they don't know, there's, there's, there's 40,000 countrywide addresses out there, probably not, probably, let's say 400. They don't know, they don't know where they're mailing it. It mm. says, return to sender, countrywide, and then it's got an address. Well, I just give an address to some, a vacant house. So they'd mail it to a vacant house, I'd go a couple days later and pull it out, I've got it, it's recorded. Now when I call the lawyer's title and say, hey, can you pull the title on my house to see if anything shows up? They pull the title and they go, yeah, you don't have anything on your house. Does a mortgage show up? No, there's no mortgages, great. I then turn around and I go to SunTrust Bank or whoever I want and I say, look, I need to borrow 200000 on my house. They order a title, their title comes back and says, Nothing's uh nothing's on no no title on your nope no mortgage on your house great I need to borrow two hundred thousand dollars I go sure no problem they pull my credit they lend me the money I borrow the money I borrowed a million dollars like five mortgages on my own personal residence like a million dollars on a house that honestly wasn't worth two hundred thousand uh, borrowed I borrowed one point was it was it nine hundred thousand about nine hundred thousand on a house another one I borrowed. Four or five hundred thousand on, on a few different houses that were only worth them, maybe a hundred, got three or four mortgages on them just by satisfying the loan or by doing shotgunning, which is when you satisfy the loan on a house. So, that I don't owe anything on this house, I probably do, but I satisfy the loan. So, what I do is I turn around and I go to four different lenders or five different lenders and I apply for loans at all the lenders at the same time. Mm-hmm. They all search the title for the house, there's nothing on the house, there's no mortgage showing up on the house, and they all lend me money. Well, they mail in their documents. So when they arrive, two arrive on Monday, one arrives on Tuesday, one arrives on Friday, all the clerk does is record, record it. They scan it, shows up, they scan it, they show it. It doesn't matter if there's five different mortgages showing up, it's not illegal. The clerk isn't, it's not her responsibility to say, hey, this is odd, there's five mortgages on this house. The point is, is that every closing I go to, I walk away with a check for 150,000. So now I've borrowed $600,000 on this house mm. that's worth 150 or 200, and it's called shotgunning. So now I've got 600,000, I deposit it in the bank, I pull out all the money within a month or two. I don't ever have to make a payment because I just take off because I probably did it in somebody else's name or some uh, f- some fictitious person. I've done that. Uh, when I was on the run, I did that over and over again. So it was easy $400,000 you're making? Oh, yeah, it's like a million. I did 1.3 million. Uh, I did 900,000 one time. I did 400,000. When I took off on the run, I, I, I had. I always say this, I had no money, I had about 80 grand. But to be on the run with 80 grand, that's nothing, the way I was spending money at the time. So I went straight to Atlanta, I got like $400,000. I rented a house, satisfied the loan, borrowed 400,000, pulled the money out of the bank, took off, but I didn't borrow it in my name, obviously. It was a fictitious.
0: Now, this, this, this is a pretty crazy stuff. I, I wanna get a little bit deeper into it, but let's go back to the part where you're getting socials under the age of 12, you're going in, here's the ID, you give the fake ID, yes, we see it, then they send you the social to an address that you're staying at, you use the social, you go get five credit cards, then you're building credit, you go to six eighty seven twenty. then you go get a house. The ID that you use to get the social, is that a fake ID that you're using? At initially it was that
1: I was using fake IDs, but then it, fairly quickly I realized it was easier just to get the DMV to issue me the driver's license. The real ID. The real ID. For the
0: kid under 12 years old. Uh, under 12, under months, 12 old. months old. Well, keep in mind, when I
1: create their their um, credit profile, I don't put the age of a 12-month-old or a 10-month-old kid. I put that he's a 34 or 33-year-old Got man. It. Well, even if it shows up even if it shows up in the credit profile when they pull it, fraud alert, social security number just issued issued within the last year. You know what happens? Mm-hmm. You know how many times I've been there when somebody's pulled it and they've looked at it and they've gone, that's weird. There's a fraud alert here. Really? What is it? And you Trust me, if you're in a bank using a fake ID and the, go- the, the loan officer says to you, huh, that's strange. That's not something you want to hear. I mean, it's taken everything in me not to just bolt out of the door. I'm already terrified. So I'm sitting there and then you've got the loan officer going, huh, that's strange. And I go, oh, you know, what is it? And they're they're like, it says fraud alert. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, huh? Well, why? And they go, well, it says that your social security number was issued within last year. Really? That is strange. And this is your social, yeah. You've got my two years W2s. They go, yeah. That is strange. Huh? And they go, well, and you've always used absolutely. You've got my driver's license. They're like. Yeah, okay, yeah, that is, that's weird. Okay, so anyway, they just keep right on going. I've never once had a loan turned down because How of How many times has this happened? Uh, that's, that's happened a few times, two or three times. Two or three times this has this happened. Yeah, they could have done anything. They could have they called, uh, I think there's uscitizen.gov, which verifies your social date of birth, and everything else, they could have done anything. They, they just went, huh. I mean, I have so much documentation, and there are lots of fraud alerts that come up. Every time you alter your name in any way, it says fraud alert, because it'll say Matt B. Cox, Matthew B. Cox, Fraud Alert, two different names. Got it. Or, you know, M. Cox, oh, Fraud mm-hmm, Alert. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, the, this is the date of birth, and it doesn't really have a, it just says issued recently. It doesn't seem right because I pulled his credit, and on the credit report, yeah, although it does say Fraud Alert issued, but then it also says that his date of birth is 1971 or 1969. So that doesn't make sense. So they disregard it right away because you're sitting there in front of them, and I'm a clean cut, Guy and I'm, I don't appear to be nervous or leaving, so I have all the right documents. And if you need to talk to your loan or your boss or whatever, we need to take get this taken care of. Let's get going. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. They just keep going. I've had that happen a bunch of time.
0: So, so when you're using, when you get a social for a kid less than 12, say 10 months old, it's a fake uh, social that you're getting. When the when the bank gets uh, uh, the social on there and the bank runs credit and credit comes like, or even a credit card company, MBNA, you know, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, whatever ones it is, when they're due to social, they're not checking how old the person with the social security is? I mean, no, I mean, they're, they're no. Wait, but let me get this straight. So, so I can write out the application myself and I can say same name, everything's the same as a social, right? And I use that 10-month-old kid social to get a credit card but I can put age 34, but on here to get the social, these 10 months. The creditor that gives me the credit card for $500 or $1,000 or $200, they don't, they don't have a way of re- verifying whether this person, fictitious character, is 34 years old or 10 months old?
1: No, what, he, first of all. You he, know what I'm asking. I, I understand what you're asking. Yeah. Well, there, there's two different scenarios here. One is, let's say, Matt Cox, mm-hmm. myself. Let's mm-hmm. say I wanted to suddenly start using a different social security number. Okay. I would have an issue because I already have a credit profile. Yes, sure. These guys don't have credit profiles. Lee Black does not have a credit profile. There's no Lee Black. So I take Lee Black, a fictitious name, I take an address, I take a date of birth and a social issued to a 10-month-old, and I run all of that. I so get that, but what I'm saying is that creates a new profile that they that there's no disputing information to. Now in the public records, they ha- say, hey, there's some guy out there named Lee Black. He was born in 1970. He's got this social security number and he's got, uh, and he applied for a visa and he lives at this house. Now maybe the visa says, no, we're not, or they, they deny him because he has no credit. Well, then they say, but you know what we will do, Mr. Black? We'll get give you a credit card if you'll give us 200, 250 bucks Right, yeah. 250 300, yeah, whatever. yeah. So I give them the 300. Well, you can still build a credit with that. Absolutely. In six months. In six months, if I get two or three of those, in six
0: months, I've got 700 credit scores. I oh, did Matt, it over and over again. Well, Matt, what I'm asking for is, the creditor, the bank, when they run a credit on you with that social that you put 34 years old, Equifax, Experience, TransUnion, they don't report back the age that matches the age that was put on the application? Now
1: there's no way for them to verify with Social Security other than to know that the Social Security number was recently issued. And there's only one of the three agencies that even checks, and they'll say, "Hey, this was recently issued." And the worst case scenario they'll they'll do is say, "Can you send us a copy of your driving, dr- driver's license?" That's crazy. So to you me. make a copy of the driver's license. You know how many times they would say, "We're not." M-, they would pull the credit and they'd say, "Hey, this is a this is a a, a like a UPS box, right?" but you have a, like it, let's say you go to UPS, you get a real address, but, but it says box number 200. And they would say, hey, this is a UPS oh store. And I would say, no, it's not. And they'd say, well, give us, a, give us a water bill. And I'd say, sure. And I'd give them a water bill with a house address and they'd go, boy, that's weird. We have this listed as a UPS. Okay, yeah, and they'd still mail it. You know it's a UPS box. You're mailing it just because I gave you a utility bill. They, they have little things that they ask for. People just, if, if you're really saying it's a residence, they wanna mail it to a residence and not a UPS box, then they ask you for something. If you can provide it, you're good, they just mail it. And I'm making the payments for so long. And then something happens. The guy gets into a car, you know how many times I had guys, There three or four houses are going to foreclosure, the mortgage companies are writing letters, um, they're writing letters uh, saying they're, they're going to, uh, they're, they're, you're gonna put you in collection, we're gonna foreclose. I would make a copy of a five-car pile-up where somebody had been life-flighted out and I would make a copy of it. I'd retype it and I put my guy's name in it. Then I'd write a letter with a copy of that from his sister saying he's in critical condition. The doctors say even if he comes out of the coma, he'll never work again. You might as well just take the house. They stopped coming around. I mean, Most people, they stop paying and they run. I would stop paying but then I confront you and say, this is the reason, this is what's going on. I th- say, hey, I'm thinking about going into bankruptcy. I'd write a letter back. They just, they just go away. Most people take off, and that makes them think something's wrong. But if you can say, they keep in mind too, if they called their employer, their employer says, no, he no longer works here. They don't just stop answering the phone. He doesn't work here anymore. Then they get a letter saying he was in a, in a, he was in a car accident. So I mean, of course they're gonna say, they've got a reason. So they go away. Now we understand what happened. He was in an accident, it happens. He lost his job, it happens. And they go away.
0: So, And I feel bad about that, I see, you, you, I see you, the no, look I'm on not, your face. Oh, you I'm, know. Not, I'm not worried about you, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm actually not processing it the way you think I'm processing it. Look, I run a company, and for me, we're designing a software uh, uh, technology right now, we're putting a few million dollars into it, but it's all about creating rules so guys can't beat the system. It's this isn't about this isn't about what you're doing. You know like uh, for me uh, Listen, I mean obviously what you're doing is fraudulent. You went and did your time 12 years in prison. you you did your uh, crime And you got the punishment for it. That's what the law does. You break the law you get caught You're gonna go to jail just kind of how the system works just like in the financial securities You're gonna lose your license get terminated get fined You know all this stuff that you got to do, but I'm just wondering what the hell kind of a system is it that somebody can run a credit And it's not gonna tell the bank that is trying to get financing from transunion equifax or experian that this client it just got their social and the date of birth is you know 710 2019 rather than 710 you know 1990 it's a big difference between that you know
1: so but all they know is it was issued within the last year and they think that could be a mistake must be a mistake he's got three credit cards
0: the person that thinks this must be a mistake, how much is that person getting paid? Is that a $35,000 a year person? Yeah. Okay,
1: I got it. Yeah. And he and probably makes money based on loans. He knows I can get this guy a loan. Is there a fraud alert? Yeah, got there's a fraud it. alert, but I can get him a loan. Got it. With If I just overlook that, so I'm gonna overlook it because it doesn't make
0: sense. So, yeah, you know, years ago, Best Buy went away from commissions. They stopped paying commissions on their sales guys uh, because uh, they weren't doing customer service. It was just kind of like a cutthroat And customers are kind of feeling like uh, it's a little too competitive. So they went to a different model. I think Nordstrom's did this this as well at one point. They wanted more to be, hi, man, how are you? How's everything? I'll spend a little bit more time talking to you. I like the shirts. How's family? Everybody good? Yeah. What can I help you with? Yeah, let me see. Okay, I'll show you around. So they paid a little bit more salary, but no commissions, because their motive was they don't want to be the cutthroat environment. Sometimes certain people you don't pay commissions to. Like those types of guys that are positioned that way where they are willing to get the loan to go through, that's a guy that shouldn't be getting commission. It should be just you're doing your job, is what you're doing. And your job is more to play defense than to play offense. So the comp structure for those guys, I don't think is set up properly. Okay, so now let's go back to where you are. You're now, uh, uh,
1: uh, you uh, know, d- I was thinking about one of the things you asked me, one was a creative financing was, one of the things that people do, I, I'm sorry, it just dawned on me, one that my brokers would do is they would say that the guy was owner-occupying a property that he wasn't owner-occupying. So, so if I'm buying mm. a duplex, I can get 80% financing from Countrywide If I, because it's an investment property. If I say I'm going to live there, I can get 95% to 100%. So I, all you have to do is your borrower says he lives there. So I remember one time we did, a, not once, we did this multiple times, but I remember one time we must have done eight different uh, loans at one time. I still remember the broker's name that did it, but I'm not gonna say his name. But um, He did eight, eight owner-occupied properties, duplexes, all at the same time with eight different lenders for one woman. And her husband was a sheriff's deputy. And one time I think we did six loans for, uh, also duplexes, owner-occupied and for a realtor uh, for a, a big time realtor in, a, in Brandon, uh, Brandon's outside of Tampa. Um, we did that a lot where, and one time we did it and two of the loans got happened to be like on the same credit line. So one was a big bank, which was like Washington Mutual. They had done, they, they had, their credit line was a smaller company. We mm. didn't know they were, it was just an extension of Washington Mutual, essentially they were mm. using their credit mm-hmm. line. So Washington Mutual ended up with two of the same loans. So they end up calling the broker and saying, look, we got two owner-occupied duplexes. What's going on? She comes in my office. She's like, oh, man, we got a problem. And I'm like, what's up? She's like, this guy, he's a lawyer for Washington Mutual. He's threatened to sue me. Put him on the phone. I get on the phone. We talk a little bit. He threatens to call the FBI. And you know, I tell him, look, you don't want to call the FBI. Who knows who was at your company that might have been doing something wrong? I don't know what, this, this, what my broker is doing. Let's figure this out. So he lets us refinance it. They actually discounted. They gave us a short pay, uh, uh, you know, short sale. Yeah, but short, you know, so we didn't have to pay them the whole 95000 yeah, yeah. They drop it to like eighty something because we couldn't get the same type of loan. They took a huge cut and they paid my broker a commission to refinance the loans. And they sent her flowers when it was all said and done. It, it was, it was, I, that's in the book. I remember it was so funny. I mean, it's not funny, it's horrible. But it was like shocking because he just had us over a barrel, but they didn't, you
0: know, they just want to. They just want to pass. Just let's just get through this and move on. Let me ask you: rates being so low, when you were running and and mortgage boom was crazy, were rates anywhere near where they are today? No. Nothing. No.
1: No. no they were. They were still. They were five, six, seven percent. Yeah. So 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 and let sub-prime me subprime was way higher. So subprime's even higher than that. Subprime so was way higher than that. Yeah, they're at least at least a couple uh, at least. Two hundred basis points higher. So if it's the rate's five percent, it's seven or seven mm. and a half yeah. or eight or nine. But I mean,
0: what do I care? I'm only going to make a few payments. So for you, it's a completely different it's, world. It's, yeah. So how much? You, how much of your sale was to a real customer? How much of it was just pure market manipulation and, and, and putting packages together? You mean when I was on the mortgage company? Yeah. Were you actually having a lot of uh, real loans coming in? Or oh no? yeah, 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 But it was. I'd
1: say let's say it's. Let's say it's fifty-fifty. I mean, we had look, we were. I was an FHA approved lender. You know, we were doing we were doing conventional, FHA approved, VA approved. I mean, it it, it was a le- part of it was a legitimate company, but the fact is, if you had a pulse and you walked in my place, you're. If you walked in that door and you had a pulse, you're getting a loan. You're getting a loan. You're getting a loan. You had a pulse. Unless you just, unless you decide not to. If you come in, I want this house, this is what I want, this is what I can, I'm going
0: to get you that house. Got it. I'll do whatever got I got to do. Got it. How much, are you, how much is your legitimate income coming in at that time? Uh, I mean, I, maybe 40,
1: 50%. And what would that look like? 500 grand a year? Me? Yeah. Oh, no. No, I'm not making that. This is Tampa,
0: Florida. This is got 15
1: it. years ago, Tampa, 200 Florida. 200 grand a year. Yeah. Okay. Two hundred, two hundred fifty. Yeah. Two
0: hundred grand. So you have a good life. You're not making because you said the loans are fifty grand, hundred grand, hundred fifty grand. Yeah. So you're not two, doing.
1: There's not. There's not
0: a. There are a couple. You know, 200, 300,000, But there's not a lot. And you know? are you getting correspondence at the back end on the back end or not at that time? Yeah, we're getting three quarters yeah. of a point. Uh, we're getting a, a yield spread. They
1: call it yield spread. It's it's like one or two points. You can get. Hey, listen. When I first Legit. started, you could get like two or three points. Yeah, and I remember that. they got that.
0: down to the yeah. point where they, they were like, this is just too much. They were doing one or two. They didn't need to do it, and they, they felt like they had to do it, and and it was getting even more money coming in. Uh, got it. Now let me ask: you, Would you consider yourself a better salesperson or more at a deal maker? What would you consider yourself?
1: I mean, I I think I'm a good salesperson, but I, I think uh, like I had a I wrote a story about a guy named uh, Vitali and Vitaly ran a, basically like a boiler room type of situation where it's just high pressure, lots of high pressure. You know, he they. They push and push and push until you close. And that's not my style. My style is more, it's more value. It's more, this is why the product is a good product, this is why you need the product, this is, this is what it can do for you, you know, and you need to make a choice. And if it's, no, forget it, I'm not, gonna, I'm not interested, okay, I totally understand that, I wish you the best of luck, I hope you do find the product that you want, and we move on. Maybe I call them back in a couple of days, maybe they call me back, maybe it's, it doesn't work out at all. But I'm not a high pressure guy, it's more like I, you have to believe in your product, and you have to know the value of the product. That's, that was more my sales technique. Keep in mind that in the mortgage company, it's, it's this is what we're charging, this is why we're charging it, and if you think you can go to Bank of America and get a 130% LTV loan that doesn't exist, by all means go. But they're gonna throw you out. You're coming right back here. You know, and, and of course they are coming right back. And they, when they walked in the door, like I said, 50% of them, roughly, already knew they had an issue. They'd mm. been somewhere else. Got it. Somebody directed them to me. So
0: were you more D paper, or were you actually doing AMBs as well?
1: We were doing A and B. We were okay. doing, you know, like I said, uh, FHA approved. We were doing conventional loans. We were doing, I wasn't doing those. Uh, we had certain brokers that enjoyed, like doing those. Mm. Literally, if I, you came in, and you had all of your docs, and you were this perfect 750, Perfect documentation client. It was like, okay, call Susan. I'm not, this is not for me. I'm not interested in doing this loan. You're gonna argue about the interest rate. You're gonna argue about how much, uh, what my broker fee is. You're gonna nitpick about, you know, the home inspection and you're a problem. I'll take the guy from Tire Kingdom or Walmart Mm. that knows he's been beat up. He's got some dings in his credit and he thinks I'm Superman. Because he's thinking this guy can do anything. I've already been turned down by two banks. No way I'm getting the loan. Got it.
0: That makes sense. What, what, what do you? Uh, so you were saying right now you're doing the script writing. You're doing all that other stuff. Can you right now work for somebody else or no? Can somebody hire you and start selling or no? Sure. Yeah, I can. I can work for someone. Absolutely. I've been offered
1: jobs. I just can't. Like like I said, I can't move. I'm. I have to stay in Tampa. Um. You know, my my mom. She's like. Listen, she's 90 years old, she's in a home, uh, I have lunch with her, I have breakfast with her four days a week, I typically have dinner once or twice a week, uh, I don't live very far from her, uh, and like I said, I mean, it's, I, I just can't, I, I was offered a job in Seattle, I've been offered jobs or in Los Angeles, uh, I got a buddy that is in, he was in Atlanta when he offered me the job, but now he's offered me a job in uh, Nashville, I, I can't go, you know, So. I mean, I have to stay in Tampa because of my mom. Because you your know? mom? Yeah. She, like I said a minute ago, he, she, she came, and this is a woman that came to see me every two weeks the entire time I was down through breast cancer, through um, a stroke. Uh, my brother would say, Mom, you're sick maybe you shouldn't go this week. And she would say, well, I, I'm sick, but we're going. And he'd say, well, you know, you get so tired. She goes, well, then I'll sleep in the car. We're, we're going. So, you know, I, you know, like I said, I've been enough of a shit of a son that the least I can do is hang out, you know, as long as I can, as long as necessary. So, you know, moving's not an option. I, if I... I have to live in someone's spare room. I got to drive a piece of shit cheap. Well, then that's what's got to happen. that I'm, I'm hanging out as long as I can. And in the meantime, I write synopses, I write books. That's that's what I'm doing to get by. So it, you know, it's it's an issue, but you know, I'm, I'm making it work. Mom it passes zero judgment to you. No. Oh, she she loves me. She, she
0: <laughs> Yeah, she's she's uh, she's good. Yeah, she's she's good. How how was she when you were growing up? How was your relationship with her? I know you were saying your dad, you know, three months is good, then he goes on two weeks, yeah, and and then he goes back to being normal again. How was she when you were growing up? Oh, I mean, she was uh, she's a rock. You know,
1: everybody thinks their mom's the saint, you know, but she, uh, yeah, she was she she was the glue that held our our entire family together.
0: When she's talking to you, she's telling you, hey, you know, Matthew. Uh, is, he, is she telling you, "Hey, be good, please, don't go back and do it again"? Or no, it's just relationship conversations, life, nothing. Oh, like when that. I visit her now, yeah, yeah, um, just curious, like she, uh, I'm, you
1: know, she's, um, you know, it's, it's always, uh, you know, <sighs> you know, she's, you know, you always hear about the Jewish mother, right? You know, but the, the Catholic mother's just as bad. You know, it's the, oh, you don't have any, you don't have any collared shirts. I'm like, no, mom, I have collared shirts. You don't wear them. I'll wear a collared shirt next time. You know, she's like, you know, oh, so you're not shaving anymore? We're growing a beard. Is that what you're doing? You know, no, I'm shaving. i sh- You well next time. So next time you'll be shaved. Yes, ma'am. I will be shaved next. Time. I like mean, that. It's constantly. What are you doing for? Work? Oh, you're you're painting. Oh, okay. Okay. Are, and, those, and that's working. You're selling those. I mean, she's a, uh, you know, and there's money. in I'm selling books, mom. I, I I've written the books, and there's money in that. <laughs> it's not a lot of money, you know, but.
0: She's, uh, yeah, she's, she's awesome. That's cool, that's cool. And so long-term, you want to be in the world of writing books and uh, do, turning those into documentaries, movies? That's what you want to do long-term? That's,
1: that's what I want to do.
0: I, listen, the
1: average writer on the street is constantly trying to get to the guys that are in prison to get to the good stories. While I was in prison, I got four and five guys a day coming up to me, telling me their stories. So that's a good, good way of putting it. Right. So The guy, they can't get it. They've got to write a letter. They got to ask them to add them to their core links. Can you email me? Can you write me a letter back? My guy just has to meet me in the library, tell me a story. And so every day I'm hearing stories, and I'm like, look, you got a drug story. I understand what happened. I know it's fucked up, but I've got like six of those stories, and it's just not. There's nothing unique about it, or you didn't steal enough money, or it's not. So I'm looking for unique stories that are over the top or just extremely unique. So they're worth writing. It's worth dedicating two or three months to write a synopsis. Plus I have all these guys, uh, I have I've all of their documents. Most of these guys are fighting their case. So as opposed to some guy sitting down with me just telling me the story and you, like a reporter, you can ver- verify a little here and a little there. I've got your entire, I've got your, I've got your, um, uh, your indictment. I have your FBI interviews, I've got the All police reports, I have the transcripts, mm-hmm. I can
0: verify everything. I know what you're saying is true. true. That, that gives you more credibility as a writer when you write it and they're gonna have more interest in it, more interest in it, right? hopefully. Who were you in high school?
1: Uh, I was troubled, I was a kid, I had learning disability, my
0: dad was an alcoholic, I mean it was, you know, but were you were you selling weed? Were you no. were you the guy? I've were not, you in the I've gangs? Never, were you no, <laughs> were been you been a trouble. four GPA guy? Were you,
1: you, you no? Know, know. I was uh, C, I was getting C's in high. I went to a school with about twenty five kids in it for private. kids private kids with learning disabilities, and uh, I end up graduating there barely. I mean, with C's, end up going to college, and got a degree in fine arts. And you
0: said USF. Was
1: USF. It? Yeah. Uh, it did great in in uh, at USF, but you know, like
0: I said, when I graduated, I just there wasn't much I could do in the business world. But who were you like? Meaning, did, did you have a temper? Were you not good with authority? Did you get pissed off with your dad? Did you have a falling out with your dad? Did you have a point to prove? You're like screw the world. What what? Hand, what who, which one were you?
1: No, I mean, I, <coughs> I definitely wanted to try and get respect from my father. He was. Uh, big influence in my life, but he was an alcoholic. He, was a, a, he would go on binges, like two, three week binges, and then he'd be sober for three months and be a great guy. But he, he was belligerent. Uh, he, my mom used to call him, he'd give you a tongue lashing. He wouldn't spank you or anything, but uh, he, he'd talk to you like you were just a dog. So, you know, and, uh, you know, and I've, got, I've got a learning disability. I've got, I go to school with very little kids, and there are only a few kids that are even close to my age. They're spread out throughout Tampa, so I don't really have a lot of friends. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I would say I'm, I was a troubled kid, but I wasn't getting in trouble. I wasn't... Not, not a drug guy. No, never never into drugs. Girls? Like that.
0: Yeah, I had a lot of girlfriends. Okay, so you were, were you a party guy or no? No. Not really? No. Just girlfriends? Just, just girlfriends. Sports?
1: I'm
0: five foot six. That's so not a lot. Of, not, Baseball, not, second base. <laughs> there's you know. no sports at the school. It's got okay, 25 kids. I got it. Got it. And movies, <laughs> music, what's your inspiration? Like, what are you reading? Are you, are you a... Not reading anything. I've got a learning disability. I'm watching TV. I'm watching movies. What are you watching? Lots of
1: movies. Uh, you know, st- at that at, at that age, what am I watching? Gosh. I'm just
0: curious. Like, what stuck with you? Like, what inspired you? Are you a Rocky guy? Are you a, you know, um, Godfather guy? Are you? No, I mean, I definitely have seen all the
1: Godfathers. You know, obviously. Uh, who hasn't?
0: Uh, was there a character like, man, I like this guy because this guy gets away with everything? Was you there know, something? I would
1: see all of that. I'd say happened when I was older. It became crime movies. I loved, uh, you know, I, you know, the score. I loved uh sick movie. Uh, huh? Great it's a movie. great movie. Yeah, out. yeah. Um, Matchstick Men. Uh, you know, Catch Me If You Can. Uh, um, the Heist, you know, uh, uh, Grifters. I mean, you know, those types of movies. I got I it. Love this those, makes sense. Love those movies. Were you
0: a, uh, uh, what was that, uh, the story of uh, Hughes? Were you a Howard Hughes guy or no? Uh, I, I I did see the movie. and But you know, were you a fan of his or no? You I, Only from what I saw from the movies. Okay. So catch me if you can. I mean, that's a sick story, you know, to, to yeah, be yeah, a true yeah. story. And eventually FBI hires him to... Help them catch the guys. Right. When you watch that, where you're like, wow, this guy didn't get away with anything. This he was yeah, amazing. He was an amazing story. So, to you, he was an amazing story. We, uh, yeah, absolutely. How old were you the first time you watched that?
1: How old was I? Was I in my 20s? What 20s I when you in my saw 20s, them? yeah.
0: So, was there a screw the bank? They already have so much money. I don't give a shit about the bank. Was it, you know, the hell with these, uh, uh, you know, uh, people that are. Uh, doing countrywide, they're already screwing people anyway. So what's wrong with me making some money? What what was there any of that or no? You're just kind of like I'm just trying to make money to have have fun. I want to say is a, a combination. I, one, I, I listen, no scruples at all about
1: taking money from the bank. I had no problem. I didn't see that. Saw it as an institutional crime. I didn't see it as hurting anybody. And you know, there are people that will drastically disagree. Uh, but what I stole, I felt like was was a pittance. You know, it was, it, so. I, I had no problem at all with it. you know, and and listen to be on. Like I said, to be honest, it's it's a huge thrill, and it it does it. It absolutely you know made me feel like I used to, I I mentioned this too. Sorry, in the book I was talk about. You you feel like James Bond. You walk into the bank and you provide them with fake ID. Social Security card, fake W-2s, fake pay stubs, and they're calling you Mr. Black the entire time, and then they cut you a check for $250,000 and you walk out of the bank, and they thank you for being a great customer? I mean, you, you, that's, that's, that's 007 stuff. I mean, you feel amazing. I, I'm walking, I've got fake passports. I'm walking through customs. Mr. Carter, Mr. You know So-and-so, and they're looking at my document. These are state. These are issued by the U.S. State Department, I'm going in and out of the country with uh, different passports.
0: So. It's it's an amazing feeling, you know. I. (laughs) It's the thrill of getting away, or is the thrill of making them look like an idiot? I
1: think it's I think it's getting away. It's definitely getting away with because I'm not around for anybody to look bad. So I'm. It's it's getting away with it. And and this is the thing about the money too is that I'm not a flashy guy. Like I never I never had a Lamborghini. I didn't wasn't driving a Porsche. I'm driving a forty or fifty thousand dollars sports car, and I'm perfectly happy. I'm not flashy. I don't want. Didn't want a bunch of attention. I want a pretty girlfriend and a decent vehicle, and that's it. Even when I have a million dollars in the bank, I'm driving a fifty, 000, sixty thousand dollar truck. I'm not trying to drive a Ferrari. It just wasn't my style. I, I'm not looking for the attention. Are you, are you running? Are you running with a crew? Like, are you partying with a group of you? As it- well, by the time by the time I start my own mortgage company, we have a, a, a fairly tight knit group, and yeah. everybody's kind of uh, you know they all know. You've got realtors, you've got a group of realtors, you've got a couple of appraisers, you've got some underwriters that you're dealing with. I bought an underwriter, a, uh, he wanted, what did he want? We were giving him a couple, two, $300 every time a loan went through. We ended up giving him, he worked for United Capital Lending, I think. Uh, we gave him, I got him a a compressor, like a, a, it was a gay guy, it, it was a silver compressor with like red interior, I thought it looked Horrible. He said, I want this car. You get me that car. You make all the payments. You give me the car. He said, everything you have goes straight through. It, it did, too. It was, it, was, it was a good six months. So,
0: everything you put, it's going to yeah,
1: go through. Provided it looked right. Like, I mean, he's getting it. He's saying,
0: look, change this. Call the appraiser. Mm, he's fixing it and he's like, send it to me. Now it's Anything happened to through, him when you got through. caught or no? Like, I When no you idea. went down, did a lot of people go down or no? N-
1: no, because what, what happened was when I took off on the run, because I was on the run for three years. So while I was on the run, the FBI was waiting to catch me. So they're investigating, but they're really waiting to catch me because everybody's just going to blame me. So they're thinking if we catch Cox, now you can't blame Cox because we're going to give this guy, we're going to threaten to give this guy 50 years. He's going to give up everybody. So you guys are all so these guys are giving me up as I'm they're talking to them. They're all saying it was Matt, I didn't know. It was Matt, I didn't know. So they're thinking, when we grab him, and listen, when they grabbed me, they had a stack. You know what FBI 302s are? Mm-hmm. That's the, uh, the, the name of the uh, interviews that they get. They call them FBI, it's the 302. I had 302 forms, and I have MOI forms, uh, a memorandum of interviews from the Secret Service. And I mean, I had a stack. Everybody had, had given me up. But of course, most of them had given, they'd given me up by covering themselves. Yes, I did this, but Matt had told me, he told me this. So I didn't know. So I didn't, wasn't aware of what he was doing. So, yeah.
0: <sighs> Sorry, I was just crazy, crazy yeah. stuff. When you're on the run for three years, uh, are you, at what point did you know you're on the Secret Service wanted list? Like at what point was oh, it when you are like, it. okay, oh my gosh, these guys are really after me? Oh yeah. I had. Uh, I'd gone to, well, when they came to get me, it
1: was, I, it was a sheriff's deputy that came and told me, look, FBI's formed a task force. Well, there was a task force formed by the FDLE, Florida, Florida Department of Law Enforcement. They handed it to the FBI. There was already, on, I'm already on probation, remember? I told you I got, I had lost the mortgage company, I started this huge scam, went for about a year and a half, two years, got 11 and a half million dollars, or borrowed 11 and a half million dollars, we're all making good money. But suddenly, on like a Thursday, This this, uh, sheriff's deputy shows up and says, listen, I used to date this chick on the uh, works for Tampa PD. He was with Hillsborough County. He said she came to me because I'd done a bunch of loans for him, came to him in the morning, early one morning, like six o'clock in the morning and said, look, your buddy Matt Cox is going to be arrested in the next few days. I worked on a task force. We just handed it over to the FBI. They're going to arrest him in the next couple days. So he tells me that on a Thursday. So I have literally an hour left in the day, and the whole next day to get out as much cash as I can, because I'm thinking I'm leaving. I'm already on federal probation. The judge is not gonna be happy. So I'm definitely going to prison. I can't go to prison. Look at me. I mean, I'm too cute to go to prison. This is not gonna work out well for me. So, I mean, I've seen Shawshank. I know what happened. So, I'm ready to take off. So, I <laughs> within, within, uh, within a, a day or so, I get like 80 grand out in cash. This is the one you were talking about. Yeah. Right. So I go straight to, I've got this girl with me named uh, uh, Rebecca Halk. I'd been dating her a couple months. I barely know her. She desperately wants to come with me. She's in love. She's wonderful. Everything's great. And she was. She had held it together pretty, pretty well
0: for a couple months. And she knows what's going on.
1: Oh, she knows 100% okay, what's going got on. It. And so we take off. I don't realize that she's bipolar. She's not <laughs> taking her meds. She's within, right, we're not even out before we start, we're at each other's throats, she's nuts. So I get 80 grand out, we take off on the run, we go straight to Atlanta, we rent a house, I satisfy the loan on the house, I borrow about $400,000, I pull the cash out of the bank. It's funny, because I was thinking a minute ago, um, I was thinking one of the stories I was gonna say, tell you was that uh, one time, I had gone to, ca- I was cashing checks for like 8000 like 8, 9000 trying to stay under the $10,000. Mm-hmm. And so at one point, I get a check for like twenty nine grand and I think, man, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm sick of this. We're going in here and here. It's going to take another month. So I said, I'm going to ca- start cashing larger checks. And she's like, that's ridiculous. Don't do it. And I said, no, it's okay. I- I'm going to cash it. So I go in. I had stolen a guy's name by the name of Scott Cugno, and I'd gotten an Alabama driver's license issued to him. So I have a real ID. I have a real social, a real ID. Everything's real. So I go in the bank, give them the cashier's check that had been issued by the title company when I refinanced the property. I had them issue the title, the checks in a different guys' names. What, larger amounts, one of them was 29 grand. A lot, most of them were eight or 9,000, one was 29. So I go in, I say, hey, my name's Scott Cugno, I need to cash this check. They go, well, that's odd. And I was like, well, okay. They said, why don't you put it in your bank? And I said, well, because my bank's in Florida, and they're gonna hold it for who knows how long. This was 15 years ago. So they go, "Uh, well, that doesn't make sense. And I go, well, you know, this is a cash transaction bank, you can give me that, yeah, we do large. Tra- okay, let me t- let me t- let's me let talk to the manager. Manager comes out, he says, okay. He says, what's going on? I said, look, I, I need to cash the check. And he goes, okay. So he takes the check and my ID and my credit card and he leaves. And I remember Becky, the girl I was on the run with, she calls me up, she's calling, what are you doing? I go, well, what's taking so long? What, well, the guy's being in a jerk, he's, he's waiting, he's doing verifications and stuff, I don't know. She's like, okay, well, I go, look, if the cops show up outside, call me. And so I hang up, we wait, we wait. Guy comes back and he goes, okay, Mr. Mr. Cugnow, I have a question for you. He said, uh, how did you get the check issued to you? And I went, well, it, it was issued, a guy refinanced his house and he paid me the check. Okay, why? And I went, well, not that it, you know, it wasn't in any of his business, but it wasn't a hard question. So I'm like, I'm trying to alleviate the, his anxiety. So I, I said, well, I'm, I'm adding an addition onto his house and this is part of the draw. And he goes like, that makes sense. It does make sense. And I was like, right. He goes, okay. He leaves, five minutes later, she's still calling. What's going on? I don't know, he's, he's got my stuff. He's we get out of there. No, I can't, he's got my stuff. I can't leave. Hang up, he comes back, he goes, um, what are you gonna do with cash? And I go, are you serious? And he goes, well, I'm just, you know, it's, it's just, I feel apprehensive about this. And I went, uh, well, I'm gonna cash a lot of the guys' checks. We give them checks and they don't have bank accounts because you know they, they just don't, they're laborers and we're gonna cash some of their checks. And he goes, okay, that makes sense leaves, comes back, finally comes back and I said, hey, what's going on, you know, and he says, listen, he said, uh, I just, we're just doing a series of checks on, to verify things, and I go, okay. And he says, uh, I said, well, what are you doing, is well, we're trying, to, he said, we, it turns out that this check was issued uh, by, on, a, on a house owned by a Michael Shanahan, and I was like, right, right. And he goes, he said, right, so we're just trying to verify uh, that Michael Shanahan issued the check, that's all. Well, there's a real Michael Shanahan. And I'm thinking, oh my God. Well, that's not good. And I'm like, okay, okay. So he leaves, Becky calls, what's going on? They're trying to call Michael Shanahan. She's like, get out of the bank. And I'm like, I can't, this guy's got my shit. I leave the bank for sure they're calling the cops. I have to wait, hang up the phone. A minute later, my phone rings. I look at it, I don't recognize the number. I pick it up and I go, hello. And there's a woman like, hi, this is Kimberly from SunTrust Bank. Is this Michael Shanahan? And I'm like, yes it is. And she goes, hi, uh, we have someone here at the bank trying to cash a cashier's check uh, that was drawn on your, your, on your, uh, from the title company. And I'm like, okay. And they said, uh, what would you, you know, the, how much was the amount for us? Yeah, that was Scott Cugno, it was 30, about $29,000 even, I think, and she says, that's right. Mr. Thank you very much, Mr. Shannon. I said, hey, how did you get my number? Because if you called information, you would have got his real number. And and I go, how'd you get my number? Oh, we called the title company. They looked on the application that I had filled out and I'd used the cell number. And they said, we just got it off of there. I hope it's okay. No problem, no problem. Okay, thank you, boom. Hang up the phone. Five minutes later, still, the guy comes out with some woman, counts out the money to me, gives me the money. I stand up and he says, Mr. Cugno, I would like to um, say that I feel very uncomfortable about this transaction. And I said, well, what is it exactly? And he goes, you know, I can't put my finger on it. And I said, Well, I'm, it'll come to you. <laughs> and I walk off. Listen, I was terrified, fucking terrified. I like to think that when the Secret Service showed up, you know, five, six days later, a week later, he realized I was. Wow, so you leave. Oh, I leave. You're right at this we catch like $400,000. We had $400,000 in a duffel wow. bag. And we leave. But we're spending money like you can't believe. I mean, it's ridiculous. We're going to Jamaica. We're going to Bermuda. we are partying to, and hardcore. Yeah, we're going to Las Vegas. This chick's a maniac. She's nuts. I mean, she won't. I, I literally had to make her. I threatened to leave her three different times. I think I put two in the book. She calls. She begs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, you've got to see somebody. You, I, I get her to start taking Zoloft. She takes it for about a month. She stops taking it. She doesn't like the way it makes her feel. She goes nuts again. She gets the cops called one day. I me, mean, two o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's i mean listen i was a hostage situation i
0: mean i it was I, this is the becky girl yeah Rebecca. she was over the top just insane uh, matt are, are you at this point uh, partying hardcore alcohol drugs rock and roll or no, no you're still I under control no. that's my, not you it's not me
1: okay my father's an alcoholic <clears throat> i i don't drink i don't smoke
0: I'm at not feel at all Ever so you're no, under control. It. You you have control of right. your emotions I, because you're not
1: I have a control issue. I mean, yeah, no I've got it. some. I got listen. I got major problems. I'm a narcissist, antisocial. I mean, I've got some issues. Are you, mean, July,
0: is you July? Is your July second your birthday? When's your birthday? Yeah, July second. July second is your birthday. Yeah. Narcissist and would you would you consider yourself pathological liar as well or no?
1: No. No. You
0: wouldn't put yourself there. No, absolutely not. To to be able to face some of these guys and stay that yep. n- n- natural like there's a there's a fine line. There's books written about sociopaths that they can just look at you and tell you would you say you're somewhat there or no? Well
1: I'm not saying I'm not a sociopath. What okay. I'm saying is
0: I'm not a pathological liar. Pathological liars tend to tend to they feel
1: good about lying, they they lie, it's impulsive, they almost can't control it. Yeah. Some of them there are different versions of pathological liars. I wrote a whole book on a guy named Marcus Shrinker who's a pathological liar. And so I've read I've read multiple books on, on the subject and, and studies, and he's clearly a pathological liar.
0: He, What's the difference in your eyes? Pathological liar, uh, sociopath? What's the difference? Well, most Almost all, pathological liars are always, pretty much always sociopaths.
1: So you could be a sociopath and not be a pathological liar. How is that? Well, a sociopath is just somebody who has a. a they are not. Basically, you're like a stick of furniture to me. They have almost no empathy at all, no sympathy for anyone. No. Well, that, but a pathological liar is someone who can't control his ability to tell the truth. He's impulsively just lying. He, he enjoys lying, he gets a, a thrill out of lying, out of fooling you. My lies are simply designed to acquire money and move on. I'm actually, matter of fact, a lot of the articles, if you read The Atlantic, one of the, a couple of the different people that they talk to in my case, they said, the thing is in Cox's, in Matt's personal life, he's extremely an honest person. It's only when it comes to running a scam so if I'm running a scam, of course I'm going to tell you what I need to tell you to, to acquire what I what I want. But in my social life, I'm not I'm not going to lie to you, There's nothing, no, I'll just tell you the truth. This is what's going on. You'll deal with it or you won't. So sociopath to you is, uh, is there is no emotion. You're, you're a stick of furniture. You're not, I don't... I wouldn't say emotionless. I mean, listen, there's varying, varying degrees of everything. There are people that are are um, schizophrenic and they happen to have a little bit of paranoia on one or two small subjects. And then there are guys that are, sh- are extremely uh, um, delusional. They just see things that aren't there. They hear things that they, they believe things that are just outrageous.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, so there's
1: always varying
0: degrees. From the moment you came in, you looked paranoid. From the moment you stepped in, we- you were paranoid. Oh, we. I because you keep in mind how this all occurred. I literally got a couple emails,
1: and I had seen the program, and I'd seen the sam, uh, Sammy the Bull, and I'd seen um, the other one, uh, a part of another one. I watched the whole the whole thing, uh, which we talked about the guy with the um, um, Michael Francis. Yes, yes, yeah, gr- which was great. He was great, um, and so it happened very quickly, and it was like okay, there was. Next thing I you know, I'm walking in. I mean,
0: I Did I got, you think, like, I'm CIA or the no, FBI? No! So, we not But paranoid. you were paranoid, though, when you came in. A little bit.
1: Because I didn't—I I thought, at some point, we would—somebody would say, hey, talk, you know, ask me some questions, you know, that like— yeah, of course. Oh, okay. I, I thought there would be some you. kind of a setup. Instead, I didn't. I'm walking here. I'm still waiting. Like, okay, well, at some point they're going to sit me down and say, okay, well, here's what we're here's what we know. Here's what we're going <laughs> to fill in. Here's what, instead, I walk <laughs> in and, and it's and it's like, sit down. I know everything See. about you.
0: <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> and then and then Hawk is over here yeah, to your you right. Got, yeah, the intimidation thing. <laughs> is you know, I mean, it's a little shocking. Wow. Okay. My question would be, do you think today? Are we set up in a way where a Matthew Cox of 2020, March 2020, can be prevented from happening, or a Matthew Cox of today can still do what you did in 2006?
1: No, I think it's funny because I, I, I did a another podcast. I did a podcast, and the guy and the comments are outrageous. But a lot of the comments are, "Oh, this could never happen. This could no it." Nothing's changed. You know, there haven't been, not like there's all these, public records is still recorded. Listen, in New York they have a huge rash where people are simply just, they're finding people's properties that have no mortgage on them at all and they're transferring the deeds to people to, to them. they're like, they're doing a, a, a quit-claim deed to somebody that, like a buddy of theirs, and then they're selling the property out from somebody because it happens to be some abandoned house that's in decent shape, they'll get access to the house, they'll get an appraisal, and they'll sell it. I'm gonna transfer the house from this person to you, record it, nobody's contacting the original owner. Nobody's con, it's a recording system. So, you know, that, those things are still happening. Satisfying loans, that still happens. In the way that I did it, the combination of, of, the way, the combination of, of scams that I, I used, was unique. So every time I did it, they very quickly uh, zoomed in, you know, or connected it with me.
0: So which ones can't be done today? I
1: don't know that any of them couldn't be done. Uh, Other than the fact that borrowing the money is more difficult, but it's not impossible. The only difference is most of these loans now, instead of changing a W-2, typically they're having you sign what's called an 8821 form, and they're sending it off to the IRS to verify your employment. So they're saying, you said you made $75,000 last year. You didn't. That's a lie. They're doing that now. There's a lot of uh, most most mortgage companies. How much does that cost to
0: the bank to do it? Or it's, to, it's almost free. Oh, it's so, free. Yeah, they so, send it to the. So IRS, why wouldn't all of them
1: do it? it it's, it's more paperwork, and, and it's and think of, if you're mailing off if if you're mailing off ten thousand and one's coming back bad, is it really worth it? I mean, most of these people, even the bad loans, a lot of them just pay.
0: Yeah, but if, if I give you an idea on the insurance side. On the insurance side, there's something called uh, uh, Nexus, right? So uh, 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 where they check what medication, like I can check if you say. I'm not on any medication and I'm the insurance company underwriting you, right? right. I can go through a testing center, that, uh, a, a uh, you know, reporting place that can send me an email back and say, no, nope, Matthew takes Zoloft, he's on uh, uh, you know, uh, Prozac and he takes this, this, he takes blood thinner. These are the things he's been on for the last six years. Right. Then I come back and I'm like, wait a minute, I can't give you preferred underwriting, right? But that testing cost me 25 bucks right. to pay to that reporting agency. So on the insurance side, sometimes people don't want to do it because they don't want to pay 25 bucks times 10,000 policies. That's a quarter million dollars a month of a cost. That's three million dollars. I can keep that three million dollars and put it for underwriters. But you're saying on the mortgage side, there's no cost to it. To find out from the IRS. the
1: IRS. So I'm not sure that the IRS, Why wouldn't every bank do it? IRS did not
0: used to charge. Do they charge now? I don't know. You don't but know. But I don't think so. <clears throat> okay, I can so let me ask you this other question. Let me ask you this other question. Uh, uh, this other question is which part of the things today? I know you said some of it, like the IRS of verification. So if it's not being fixed today and it can, everything you did can be done today, if all of it can be done today, who's at fault here? Meaning, uh, you know, it, when you're in the sales world, the processor wants it to be funded just as much as the loan officer does, right right? And whether it's the title, the appraisal guy making 450 or titles making thousand, seven hundred, two thousand dollars, depending on the side of the loan, there's a lot of people that want to get this loan to be funded. Right. The only person that takes the hit is when WAmu realized China's no longer buying their paper on the back end, and they shut it down, and WAMU goes from being a 330 billion dollar company in '5 to being sold to Chase for 1.9 billion dollars. so Really, the only person that takes a hit on the back end is the one that can't sell the paper. Kind of like that one guy that the $2 million, they sold a $4 million, right, and they come back. But my question is, he, because there's so many people that have their hands in the candy jar, like everybody's getting a piece of it, does anybody want all of this to be stopped? And if yes, who?
1: Well, I can't imagine. First of all, I mean, fraud just... They love to throw like the numbers, it's $3 billion or trillion dollars. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but overall, it's, it's, it's very little. It's, the percentages, it's not even like 1% is fraud. I mean, it's, it's so minor that, that why would you spend all of this money when the actuaries have already accounted for a certain amount of fraud? So if we know there's going to be a certain amount of fraud, we account for it, what is the real incentive to try and fix it? So marketing loss, the way they would look at it. Right form yeah. of a marketing loss. Right. What's yeah. what's the big deal? We're good. We're good. It's really not hurting us. We can bitch and complain, but the truth is we're, it's really not damaging and it's more it's more tr- I think it's more trouble to put up all these all these things regulations if, regul- and o- overregulated. Right. Now a lot of these I- individual people are going to get hurt. The people that actually need the loans aren't going to be able to get the loans because we're trying to stop all this fraud, but the truth is the fraud really isn't harming us as much
0: as it it is as much as people think. So flip the coin. FBI hires you. Okay, and they say, come on in, we want you to help us out, we want you to catch the modern-day Matthew Cox, would you know exactly how to catch all of them? Would there be trends that you can... But, the, but there's not, by the
1: time I'm, by the time I've done what I've, I'm doing, by the time I've done my scam, I'm, I'm already gone. How do you detect that scam, unless
0: you want to revamp the Most entire... Of these guys are greedy though. It's tough to kind of leave and be gone, right? That's the biggest temptation of a scam artist because he can't, it's always the next hit is the last hit, like the movie, Carlito's way, right? Where he's like, "Well, you know, babe, this is the last one I'm doing, and then we're gonna go and live over there."
1: Even I, even, listen. Even I have, even I have the same thing. You, I was on the, I was on the run three years. Dateline was coming out. Mm-hmm. I'd just been in Fortune magazine, had just done a piece on me, so I was in Bloomberg, Businessweek, did two pieces. Fortune magazine. There were thirty some odd articles in the St. Pete Times, Chicago Tribune did. I'm, that's the whole time I'm on the run, so I know it's coming down, and I know that. Dateline was about to come out and I'm ready to go. I'm leaving and I'm thinking I'm just going to pull out two or three million dollars and I'm leaving and I don't make it to that. Let's say I had gotten. I like to think that would have been it. You think so. I like to think so. But you know what? Let's, let's face it. Almost every time I did something, that was it. Because you're greedy yeah. or you're overconfident. Look, look I'll tell you, tell you one time. One time I go to I'm on the run. I was on the Secret Service's most wanted list, by the way, at this point. Mm-hmm. What year is this,
0: 06 or 05? Oh, 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 this five? is 04?
1: Oh f- oh no, 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 this is...
0: This is oh 05. I'm gonna say this is Peak oh 05. Peak of the mortgage industry, right. oh 0405.
1: Oh right. I have gone to Las Vegas with Becky. Okay. We, at this point, I'm surveying homeless people to get their information. So I've come up with a survey form that says, we're surveying homeless people to get, uh, to determine where, where we're gonna place our next homeless facility. I work for the Salvation Army. I have got a little badge. I know it's horrible. I feel bad. So, stop judging me. So, um <laughs> creative the face. creative. They have no oh, they have no idea. They're for 20 bucks, they're filling out the form. I order all your all your stuff. I got your high school transcripts. I got everything. I then go in the DMV, I get a driver's license. I'm driving. I buy a car in your name. I don't even need the you know, I then. Oh, of course I go to Social Security. I get a social security issued. So I've got clean social security. I got credit I got a, a house, I got whatever I want in your name. You're some guy that lives under a bridge in Las Vegas. Now I'm in South Carolina. I remember the guy, this is funny, because the, the guy had gotten in uh, Las Vegas. I meet him, while I'm doing the survey, I ask about, uh, does he have any uh, yeah, a criminal record? He says he's got several arrests for prostitution, but they were misdemeanors. I said, okay. He's a, I, realized, I go, so you're a male prostitute? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Whatever, so I take the thing, I go to South Carolina, I go to DMV, I get a driver's license in his name. I then go buy two houses. I then after I buy those houses, I satisfy the loan in his name, satisfy the loan in both those houses. I then go to multiple mortgage companies and I borrow money on the houses. One of them I borrow like three, 400,000, the next one I borrow like close to a million dollars on the house. Their house is only worth 200,000. I go in the bank, I'm cashing checks, I'm pulling out Four, five, six hundred thousand dollars over the course of a few weeks. Becky, by the way, the whole time, every time I would go into a bank, this did not all the time, but a lot of times, she would say, what happens if you get arrested? And I would say, if I get arrested, they'll be arresting me as, the guy's name was, Gary Sullivan. They'll be arresting me as Gary Sullivan. The male prostitute. The male prostitute. Yeah. They will not run my prints right away because my identity is not in question. Back then, they didn't have the scanners. So they're not gonna run, they'll, they'll scan ya, but it doesn't necessarily run it through AFIS.
0: So that's a new thing they're
1: doing, they that got was, scanners they, now. Right, well they didn't, at the time, right. they had them, but sure. were, it wasn't, they weren't. I said, look, the worst that'll happen, I get arrested, it'll be a minor charge, get me a lawyer, get me out on, on bail, we'll take off. She goes, okay. So I go in the bank one day, I go into a Wachovia. I'm waiting to get cash a check for like six grand. And um, I cashed, pulled out. 50,000, 60,000 out of that account. I had like eight accounts. Well, next thing I know, bam, a cop walks up, they grab me from behind, they arrest me. They walk me in the back. I'm done, that's it. I already know I'm on Social Secret Service's most wanted list, this is it. They take me back, they sit me down, all the customers are looking at me. Guy says, Mr. Sullivan, we're waiting for the detective to show up. I'm thinking detective, okay, that's like FBI or something, I guess, he's coming. Well, then this cop comes in And uh, he says, "Hey, I'm with the Richmond County uh, Sheriff's Department. Uh, We understand. You know, we Wachovia's fraud department called us. They said you're running some kind of a scam. You're pulling out cash." I go, "Are you serious?" He goes, "You know." I said, "Look, man, am I under arrest?" He's like, "No." I said, "Well, I feel like I'm under arrest." And I show him my my cuffs, and he goes, "Oh, take those off him." Takes them off me. They call the Wachovia head of security. He's on the phone. He says, "Okay, now what's going on? He's borrowed how many loans?" He he said, you've got three loans on the house. I actually had like six. They only caught three. And I said, oh, okay. I said, yeah, yeah. Is that illegal? And the guy goes, you know, I'm not really sure. I remember right then thinking, I'm walking out of here. I just got to convince this guy I haven't done anything wrong. While Kobe is telling him I've done something wrong. But if I can get out of here. So I start arguing with him. This guy's saying he's got all first mortgages. I'm saying they're not all first mortgages. Wachovia is a first mortgage because they know they lent me a first mortgage. I said, and he goes, I, who are the other ones? And he, I go, and he goes, oh, SunTrust and so and so forth. Right, SunTrust is a credit line. The other one is a, a second mortgage. That's the three. And he's like, well, why did you, he wants to know why you brought took out all that money, half a million dollars on a $200,000 house. I said, bro, I don't know how it works. I work for a labor company. I give him my business card. I said, all I know is I came here, the woman, I told her I needed half a million dollars. The loan officer said i can get you this much i got a friend over here she can get you this much this much it sounds to me like they got a problem at the bank i don't know anything about it he says okay okay and the guy's screaming it's a shotgunning scam he's you don't understand he's doing this he's doing that he's like and i'm saying man i wouldn't know how to do this i don't know what he's talking about and he says yeah i don't this guy is he works for a labor company he doesn't and he's like, well, why are you pulling out all this cash? And I go, well, I'm cashing guys' checks. I mean, I got a bunch of Mexican guys that are doing roofs, and they don't take checks. Or I give them a check, and I cash a check. I mean, is that illegal? No, that's not illegal. Okay. So then he says, uh, his ID, his ID starts with zero, zero, zero. And he goes, no, it's a real ID. It was a real ID. He goes, it's a real ID. Our, this guy was in California, Wachovia. Mm. He goes, no, our ID start with zero, zero, zero. And he said, uh, he said, trust me, I've run him through NCIC. It's him. This is Gary Sullivan. Sullivan. And I go, oh, now I'm not Gary Sullivan. I go, come on, bro. What are we doing here, man? What are we doing? He goes, I know. I know Gary's okay. He, and he says, okay. So he talks to the guy. They. This guy literally is arguing with him. He eventually says, okay, I'm going to take him downtown, have him fill out a police report. I'm waiting for the district attorney to call me back. I don't even know what to charge him with, if I can charge him with anything. I think you need to talk to your loan officer. Hangs up the phone. I then get up. When I get up, the two sheriff deputies are there. And he says, do you have a driver's license? And I, he said, this is an ID. And I said, yeah, I have a driver's license. And I said, but it's in Nevada. I don't know if Gary Sullivan, has, he's a homeless guy. He's blowing guys for 20 bucks a pop on the park bench. I don't know if he's got a, a driver's license. One of the cops says, I'll check. He goes out to his car, he comes back and he goes, he does have a driver's license. And he goes, okay, it's cool. And he goes, yeah. He goes, well, it says he's five foot 10. And they look at me and I go, well, with a good pair of shoes, and they all go, ha, ha, ha. And so at the same time, he says, I remember he had said something about, that's right, you're from Nevada. And all the cops look at me, and they look at each other, and they kind of grin, and I realize, he said he ran me through NCIC. He thinks I've been arrested in Nevada for prostitution. And I thought, oh, fuck, it was just ridiculous. So they gave me my ID, I follow him to the police station. <laughs> When I, what am I gonna say? I, I literally almost want to say, "Listen, man, that's all bullshit." My name's Matt Cox. Um, they follow me to the police station. Uh, I go in the police station, fill out the police report. I'm waiting in the hallway. My wanted poster, by the way, is, is on the wall. There's all these posters. My only color one on the whole wall. You're seeing it. I'm seeing it. I'm pissing in my pants. When I leave, oh, before I got there, when I was, I took my own car when I'm driving there, Becky calls me. I pick up the phone and she goes, oh my God, what's going on? And I say, I tell her what happened. And she goes, you don't understand. They just raised you to number one on the Secret Service's most wanted list. You've got to get out of there. I said, I can't. There's a sheriff's deputy behind me. The the other guy's in front of me. I got to play this out. And I say, the worst that'll happen is I get arrested you get me out on bond. She goes, I'm not getting you out on bond. I'm not getting you a lawyer. She had like six hundred thousand in cash, of your money, my money. She was now living in Houston, and I'm like, what Are the you still fuck? together or no? Well, we're not together. We're 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 still Te- a, team. a team, but we're not. With benefits, <clears throat> yeah, okay. We're, we hate each other. So I go into the police station, fill out the report. Guy walks me out. I get in my car. I leave. I go straight to two more banks and get out more money. Until another person recognizes me, goes to make a phone call, I jump in my car and I leave. So, um, that was like, that was insane. And what's funny about that, so I remember like a week later, it comes out in the, uh, St. Petersburg Times comes out and says, you know, fugitive caught in South Carolina, released by authorities. And it was a big article about how they grabbed me, they brought me downtown, I talked my way out of it. They always mention that. like. On American Greed, they always mention it. Um, I, what did Playboy write about you in, in 06? Oh, God. it was it, That was a short, that was probably a couple thousand words. Um, what they right? They just, it was, they really blow, they made it sound like I was this, uh, you know, like the, what was it, the uh, most ingenious, you know, prolific mortgage fraud con artist of all times. And yeah, it's had some great, some great sound bites. Uh, you know, the big thing they always latch on to is one of the things you were asking about like how flawed is the system, let's say. When I was satisfying the loans, one time I satisfied a loan using the name C. Montgomery Burns from The Simpsons. So this is, so, <laughs> so C. Montgomery Bone, or Burns satisfied the loan to like Federal Savings and Loan Bank. And I thought, remember thinking it was cute and it was funny. Limited. The judge had no sense of humor. But he found it, did not find it well, funny but at you all. Said earlier,
0: you don't like to make people look stupid, but you like to make people look stupid yeah. a little bit. Like to say, like, look how dumb you are that you're allowing me to finance loans on Reservoir Dogs by Quentin Tarantino. You idiot! It's a great movie. It is a great movie. I, I have a story with that. My uh, sister's getting married to my uh, brother-in-law Siomak, and we're sitting at home, and my sister said, "Look, you got to try to impress my dad. My dad's not comfortable with us getting married." So he comes over. He says, "Yeah, I, I, sh- I think we should watch a movie." My dad's a traditional Middle Eastern guy, so he puts in Reservoir Dogs. My dad's like, what is wrong with this guy? You motherfucker, but back, you, I mean, if you've seen the movie multiple yeah, times, yeah. you're not they crazy. Cut the guy's ear off, oh, horrible. Like, what is wrong with your guy? Now, they've been married for 15, 16 years and love each other, but that's uh, Reservoir Dogs. It, I think it was his first movie that did, he put $400,000 into it, made 14 million, one of the biggest hits, story like re, Return Wise, and he becomes who he is today. So, at what point do you get caught and you said, it's done when was that it was, That was two, late uh, November
1: 2006 I had moved to Nashville
0: and uh, Nashville like you're trying to find the, the church because there's this the, the capital of Bible bell you know in, in America you're going to church trying to be a Christian or yeah I'm just trying to listen I just like country music yeah
1: so <laughs> I, I go to Nashville and I buy a bunch of houses in an area and I start the whole thing over again I pull I I think I borrowed like three and a half million or something like, 2.5 million? I forget what they said. They said three and a half million. I think it was only like 2.5. So I borrowed some money and I'm, um, at that point I'm dating a girl and uh, she and I end up seeing another girl and she, my girlfriend ends up finding out who I am, pleads with me not to, to leave. Cause I was like, oh, I, you know who I am, I gotta leave. But we're living together, we're in love, I think it's okay. She ends up confiding in the other girl. The other girl turns me in. Mm, got it. Uh, Secret Service shows up. They arrest. me. When you me. say the
0: other girl, is this like a three-way relationship? Yeah. Or an, okay.
1: Got right. it. Got it. Um, so I end up getting grabbed. Uh, I I get. You know, it was it was bad. I mean, I knew, we knew we knew Dateline was coming out. By that point, all these articles had come out. Dateline about you, about what yeah, you're doing, right? Okay. Dateline did two one-hour specials on me. One before I was arrested, and then one after I was arrested. Once I'd been arrested, the U.S. attorney came to me and said, we want you to do an interview with Dateline, be interviewed by them. And they said they'd consider it substantial assistance. I mean, you've, you've interviewed guys before, so you know what substantial assistance, mm-hmm. you know it's cooperation with the government. Substantial assistance means you cooperated with the government, which led to an arrest or a conviction. So she told my lawyer, I will consider this substantial assistance. Because by the time I get caught, Everybody's already told on me. People have gone to jail. There's a whole bunch of people that haven't gone to jail, but I'm, you know, and I'm not. I'm definitely ready to cooperate. I'm ready. Listen, I'm ready to do anything. I got. I, I'm looking at a huge <laughs> sentence. So, H- have they caught you when Dateline called you, or no? Not yet. No, no. They when, when they caught me, they caught me, and within a month or two, Dateline had Dateline's. Episode came out uh, okay I, got I was leaving the country because I knew it was coming out where were you gonna go to I was gonna go to Australia because if you sh- at that point if you showed up at a, in Australia with really a grand? couple hundred grand yeah yeah, two, citizen, grand. yeah. you became a well it wasn't even a, at that point it was a citizen if you wanted to be fingerprinted and run you could be a non-resident alien you were allowed to buy property you were allowed to start a business like Panama very interesting right. Like Australia right yeah. so so I got a driver I got to be there I couldn't get a job, but I could hire Aussies. I could buy a property. So if you show up with just a few hundred thousand. So that was. You know who years else, ago.
0: else went to Australia? Mm-hmm. Jordan Belfort also went to Australia. I did hear that. Point. I did yeah. hear that. Very interesting. So I mean, obviously, Jordan Belfort uh, has been. Uh, we done a couple things together. I was on his, he was on our thing, and right. telling the story. Uh, so, okay, so you, you, your plan was to go to Australia right. to do that, but then they catch you here. They grabbed me. I mean,
1: yeah. well, and that's what prompted it. We were pulling out cash. One of the things that prompted a conversation between my girlfriend and this other girl, we're asking her to cash checks, get, get, us, some help, get us some cash, and she says what happened. And so that causes the to think, look, here's what's happening, Dateline's coming out, here's who he is, he's gotta get out of the country, she calls the Secret Service. So we're thinking we're all good, she's thinking I can get rid of this guy and end up with this girlfriend. So what happens is I get arrested, they swoop in, they arrest me, They. A few months later, Dateline does come out. It was called The Thief of Hearts. Becky had already been captured. Becky had been captured already a year before Becky's already in. She's already in. And she does, the whole thing is based on Becky and her, an interview with Becky, saying, oh, he's a horrible guy, he's manipulative, he did this, he did that. You know, so that comes out. Then the U.S. Attorney says they want to interview you. We want you to be interviewed. And, you know, my lawyer's like, look, they're going to make you look bad, but they'll consider it substantial assistance. They'll reduce your sentence. She said, you got to do it. You're, you're basically done. So by that point, I go, so I go and I do the interview. Just before I'm sentenced, we're thinking they're going to reduce my sentence. Give me a 5K1 and reduce my sentence. They say, yeah, you know, it's really not enough. But you said you'd consider substantial assistance. And the U.S. attorney said, we did consider it, and it's not enough. Motherfucker. So, I get 26 years. I go to prison. Prison, prison? I went to a medium security prison. Guys are, the day I got there, a guy got stabbed on the wreckyard. yard. Guys are getting beat down with locks. Did you ever get beat down like that? Never had a problem? Uh, ever. Had a, only fight I ever had or issue I ever had was in the low. In the medium, I never had a problem. Within a few weeks of me being there, I started teaching the real estate class. The guy that was teaching it didn't want to do it anymore. He, was doing, he wanted to do legal work. So he asked if I'd do it. I started teaching it. Well, I had a great class. And it was the medium, so you could be pretty open with what you talked about. So I had a great class. Guys are walking around the compound. Hey, Cox, what's going on? Hey, man, how's it going? What's going on? Hey. I mean, huge, massive guys. Everybody's very happy. They're Every- protecting you? Were they protecting you? Well, or it, wasn't, it wasn't that I needed to be protected. I didn't talk to anybody. It, you know what it was like? It was like being a non-enemy combatant. Like literally, there's stuff going on all around you. My head's down. I go to I, I go to my uh, go to the unit. I go to work. I t- taught GED, and uh, uh, and then I, I go and I teach the real estate class. Guys want to know about certain things. I'll meet you in the in the uh, meet you in the library. I can go over stuff with you. I take we t- take notes. We do scenarios. It lasts about an hour, once or twice a week. Everything's great.
0: Now you've met some interesting cats in prison right. though.
1: Yeah, well I was there for three
0: years, then I went to The Low. Oh, okay, got it. Right. So w- where did you start writing, when you started writing uh, scripts? I think you did, wrote a, uh, uh, what did you say, you wrote? you wrote a memoir, right? Did you write a memoir for... I wrote a memoir for a guy, in, for Ephraim Devaroli, mm-hmm. which
1: was the uh, lead, which was the character in... Jonah, uh, Jonah, Jonah, Hill. Jonah Hill plays yeah. him in War Dogs. Yep. And I wrote Devaroli's uh, memoir while we were incarcerated. How was he? He was, uh, let me, put, did you see the movie? Of course. And you, what did you think of uh,
0: uh, Jonah Hill? What did you think of the character? Psycho, sociopath, who was a great leader and a manipulator. He made
1: Devaroli look cuddly compared to De- Deveroli. Deveroli is cunning, super smart. Super smart, super manipulative, super cunning. I mean, you know, I wouldn't trust him. For anything, but you cannot, you can't underestimate him. He is, but he is absolutely extremely sharp. You I know, mean, I, I wouldn't dare take that away from him. And the the thing about him is that, as vicious as he was in business, and that movie doesn't come close to it. By the time I was done writing that book, you know, I liked him. He was, he had an ability, has an ability to get you really to like him, to you know, it, but. But I liked him because I thought we were a team. You know, he's the kind of guy you want on your side. You definitely want him on your side. Is he a tough guy or no? He's not a tough guy like a, a brutal guy. Yeah.
0: He's a sharp guy. He's ext- um, Does he have the piercing eyes like you or no? Like, is he like that as well or no? Because your eyes are on fire. Like, And typically, a lot of guys that are brilliant, that they think a million things in their mind, their eyes are like the way you are. Was he like that as well or no? Intense? I, I would say he's extre- he's very intense. Okay. He's very intense. On all the time? On all the time. Okay.
1: Always, uh, yeah, uh, definitely. He's definitely energetic, definitely. Uh, you know, he's just—it's. You guys
0: still keep in touch or no? <laughs> no, no, no. So, no. did not end? well, the relationship? Oh no, no.
1: He sued Warner Brothers over the film. Uh, they alleged that Warner Brothers had gotten a hold of the manuscript, which it appears that they looked like they did. There was a—they uh, sued them. They went back and forth. Uh, there was a—you know—there was a, a, a settlement they um I sued Warner Brothers and Devaroli. Uh we dropped the Warner Brothers suit we sued warner uh, Deveroli uh, we ended up settling with Devaroli. and you know and even during that that in negotiations it's just extremely tough extremely you know he's a sharp guy he's a sharp guy, so I wrote that story. I wrote a story uh, about these guys um called uh the story I wrote was Oxy Rush. Uh, had sent, I sent that to a, a reporter with Rolling Stone. Uh, they ended up writing a, an article based on what I had written. It was called uh, The Dukes of Oxy and that was sold to uh, New Line Cinema, mm-hmm. I believe it was New Line Cinema. And, uh, f- and it was optioned, you know, the film rights were sold, it was, so it was optioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been optioned, they've renewed the option several times since then wrote a story about a guy named, uh, about a credit card counterfeiter, which is honestly one of the most amazing stories, Uh, which is a a credit card counterfeiter named uh, John Boziak, who sold about three and a half, or about three and a half million dollars in credit cards to the Russian mob. Been listed on several indictments, uh, was, Secret Service was after him, got, it's just a a phenomenal story. Wrote a memoir for him. Uh, What else? Uh, Wrote a, uh, there's a guy named Marcus Shrinker that actually, in 2008, when the whole financial crisis was coming down. Shrinker took his airplane up, called in a distress signal. The windshield's imploded, I'm bleeding, and then he sets the autopilot, it's supposed to go out over the Gulf, and he jumps out, fake his own death. It's been everywhere, it's a huge story. And he ends up landing. And then three days later, they catch him because the airplane runs out of gas about a mile or two before it hits the Gulf because he didn't account for the fact that the door was going to be open. So it burns off a lot more fuel. And it ends up crashing into like a swampy area. And guess what? That whole plane was just destroyed, but the windshield was still intact. So they know immediately, (laughs) fucking guy's not in the plane. He jumped out. The door's open. I mean, he thought it goes down. The windshield's going to implode when it's the... Anyway, they catch him. So I wrote a book about him. Pathological liar. Uh, that's a phenomenal story, and I've written about about over a dozen, almost
0: twenty. How is a guy like you synopsis. who didn't do good in school such a good writer? Why are you writing? I mean, how, well, you how, know, I had
1: a lot of help. Listen, you got guys in Coleman that are locked up, guys from NASA. You got lawyers. You've got you've got guys with 180 IQs. I mean, these are brilliant guys. I write. You got that guys in from NASA. You got guys in from. Absolutely, they're are, are amazing guys that are in there. Listen, I'm not saying 90% of them are just drug dealers low level drug dealers. But there's a, a whole slew of guys that are super sharp. Lawyers, doctors, I never go to the doctor. You just, you just go find uh, Dr. Iglesias and he's in you know, B3 and you say, hey, listen doc, my knee, it's killing me. And he does a little exam there mm. and he says, okay, you're, you're gonna stay off it for two weeks. And I can't go to the doctor at Coleman. These guys are like PAs, nobody will hire them. I mean, they're, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, you don't get to the top of your field and end up working for the BOP. That's just not how it works.
0: Makes sense. So, yeah, so. So you just got out uh, uh, nine months ago, 10 months ago? Yeah, seven, eight months ago. Seven, eight months. How do you feel being out? What, what are your plans now? I, I
1: feel good. I mean, I've got, I've got a website with all my stories on it. How are you making money right now? I'm working as, I've been hired to write a biography by a lawyer. Uh, it's kind of a vanity project, super amazing lawyer. Uh, I've got two other books that I'm supposed to write. Uh, I, I've got, I'm selling books on Amazon, so that's some money. Mm-hmm. You know, My bills are low. Listen, here, wh- here's one thing I learned is I don't need a lot of money. I'm stay, I stay extremely humble. I, I literally live in someone's spare room. I drive a piece of shit Jeep. I spend virtually no money. My whole thing is I'm writing the stories. I want to be a true crime writer. I want to get them turned into documentaries, into films. No I wanna, desire to go back to the old life. Ab- absolutely not. 100%. No.
0: No temptation. Well, listen, there you never you know. Yes. Listen, Good. you, you never know. What am I supposed yeah. to
1: say? The fact of the matter... You never know. Oh, listen, I told my probation officer, I said, I'm going to give it a year and if things don't go well, I'm going to commit a massive, massive fraud and I'm leaving the United States because that's where I fucked he up. You told them that. Oh, I told her. She fu- oh, listen, matter of fact, she even told me... This is fucking horrible. <laughs> because she even told me... Don't min- basically, she didn't say it, but she basically said, stop mentioning me in the podcast. <laughs> like, I don't want to be famous. Stop it. So... I mean you know, and she's the nicest person she 's extremely strict she's concerned she's concerned, but the, the truth is things are going too well for me to fuck up at this point at this point listen at this point i 've got i've got documentaries that are about to be made i've got a series that is is supposed to be made I'm supposed to go to Los Angeles on the eighteenth and nineteenth i'm uh, to meet with a uh, you know, with a production company that makes films for, uh, for Netflix and Hulu. They have like four of them on there right now. So things are going well. The low interest rates doesn't turn you on right now? No, it, it does nothing for no, me. Positive. Nothing for me. Ma- I mean, let
0: me ask you this. Uh, 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 just from your experience, how long can this low interest rate, uh, rates last? <laughs> <laughs> how long can it last? I mean, this is all <laughs> fake money right now. I mean, I, you know, I, I was just
1: thinking every time I, I'll see like some E-Trade, commercial, like like one of these, uh, these mortgage, like, you know, they're doing the mortgages, you know, over the internet or something. I just look at i just like, this is, this
0: is, it's so ripe for fraud. I'm just like, this is That's ridiculous. That's what I would say. That's why I'm saying that. It's, you know, but. It's but, so ripe for fraud. Yeah. You watch Big Short. What's your first thing you thought when you saw Big Short? You're like, yeah, I kind of knew this was. Oh, going the, sh- oh, yeah. the Big Short. Oh, the Big Short is great, right? So, what'd you think about one. it? Did you say, that, I knew oh, this? Listen, in the Big Short, yeah. Do you remember when they come to Florida yes, and they meet course. with
1: they meet with the mortgage brokers yeah. that are like, oh, I, I I focus yes. on like strippers. And yeah. Get, those were my brokers. Those were my guys. If you want to know who were who worked for Mac, used sales, used car salesmen. Those guys right there, they're sh- buying strippers. They're they're nut jobs. They're going to the conventions. Were just like that. Phenomenal conventions. I went. To like, I mean, you know, it, it, was, it was outrageous. And those idiots, those were the brokers that I hired. And they were good. You didn't have to be that, that great. So, you know, especially if you can go in and bring me the documents. Uh, I got all these documents. These two need to be changed, and I change them.
0: You got, you got, you a, got a loan. You, did you watch Accountant with Ben Affleck? The, the Accountant? Affleck, the account, Is that what it's called? The Accountant? Yeah. Have no, you seen I, that or no? Well, you've got to watch it. I, I missed a lot of movies. But, but you got to watch this one. I, that's, that's right. You just got out seven, yeah. eight months ago. Go watch <laughs> The Accountant and then tell me what you think about The Accountant. Some tells me you may like it. I don't know if you watch it. It's a very... Would you agree? I think he's, yeah. he, may, he may like the movie. It's an interesting story. Tell us about the book before we wrap up here. Shark in the Housing Pool. Tell us what this is about. It's, that's the story of, for me, basically, it... It's a
1: brief account of, you know, it's a memoir. It's a memoir, tell a little bit about my, my uh, upbringing, the, what influenced me slightly, it's, uh, look, and then it, it gets straight into all the fraud and the mortgage company, and then it's me on, it's life on the run, the scams, it's, it's extremely, I mean look, I, I think it's super interesting. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm biased, I wrote it. So, but everybody that reads it loves it, it's a phenomenal story.
0: You, shoot, you've just gotten bits and pieces of it Here's right what now. Dateline says. So you just did this kind of contradicts what you said. He was not some boring banker type in a gravy flannel suit, but a hip young daredevil who was who wore expensive clothes, drove flashy cars, and loved to skydive? But
1: that's 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 Dateline. That's what they say. You know that they always hype it. up. What would you drive? You said a truck. What were you driving? No, right? I mean I've driven everything. I've driven Mercedes. I've had Mercedes. I've no had, Lambos, Ferraris,
0: Porsches. No, no, because it's too flashy. I'm I'm an Audi guy. So you guy. watch American Gangster? Did you watch American Gangster y- or no? Yeah, I have kind of low key okay. Exactly. Interesting. Well, I mean, listen. It, it, obviously, today's story, I told you going to be a crazy story, and I, I I was in the world with a lot of friends on Mortgage. that would do modification. You remember when modification oh, came yeah. out? That was a whole opening for more fraud to be taking place. Matthew Cox, thank you so much for coming out. I enjoyed listening to your story. You got a crazy-ass story. I got to tell you that. Phenomenal right. story. Appreciate it. Yeah. Glad I was here